Israelites murmured against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the body of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands upon them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Peace be to you who reads. Glory to you, Lord, glory to you. At that time, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he were already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he were already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. He bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. 
But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them, and they said nothing to anyone. to you who proclaims the gospel. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I marvel at how the church, after the uh, glorious day of resurrection and the celebration that surrounds it, doesn't allow us to immediately depart into other things in life, so to speak. It allows us to savor, if you will, the resurrection for days and days to come. And it does this primarily through the hymns that we chant and primarily through the chanting of Christ is risen, but also through the epistle and the gospel readings. If you notice, we're two weeks out now from Pascha, but the gospel brought us right back to the crucifixion and the death of Christ on the cross. And they want us to remember now, as we reflect back, some individuals that played a very prominent role during that time, and that was both Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, as well as some of the murdering women. So the church doesn't allow us just to quickly leave something so glorious and so powerful and so profound, but it keeps us hanging around for 39 days. And this is a beautiful thing, and perhaps it is unique uh, to many of you, or some of you who have come into the Orthodox Church through conversion. As a cradle Orthodox, I can tell you that I was never aware of it until much, much, much later in life. And now that I'm aware of it, I still marvel at it. Both Joseph of Arimathea and the women who went early in the morning to the tomb had great courage. They had reverence and they had deep devotion. All of this blossomed out of the love that they had for Christ. Joseph, the Gospel says, went with boldness before Pilate. He didn't go with hesitation. He wasn't wrapped in fear, even though he was doing a very dangerous thing by going to Pilate and asking for the body. And it led me to remember the passage in 1 John, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, his love for Christ and the thought of just anyone, anyone at all taking down the body of Christ, was unimaginable. If he hadn't done it, he was thinking, who would do it, and do I want that person to do it? As part of his own preparation, Joseph bought very fine linen, which he would use to wrap the body of Christ after he took it down from the cross. For Joseph and Nicodemus, taking down the body of Christ, though, was both a very, very painful event, and it was one that was also very unpleasant. It was painful in the sense that the one that they so deeply loved was no more. And it was unpleasant because of what Christ's body had to suffer, really at the hands of the Roman soldiers. The Lord's body had been brutally beaten from head to toe, as the readings and the hymns of Holy Thursday remind us. 
The myrrh-bearing women, Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus had driven out seven demons, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, along with Salome, the wife of Zebedee, they were driven by the same love and the same devotion as Joseph and Nicodemus. They too went with boldness and courage, but not to Pilate, but rather to the tomb. They knew that there were soldiers guarding it, but they went with love because they wanted to anoint the body of Christ. But what they failed to remember was that the anointing had already been performed during Jesus' earthly lifetime. There was a woman who was present at Simon's house in Bethany and who approached Jesus with an alabaster jar full of very precious perfume and oils and aloes. And if you recall, she poured it over his head and anointed his whole body with it. And she was questioned about this. They said, why do you waste this precious perfume? And the Lord simply replied to them, she did it in order to prepare me for my burial. We don't know whether or not they got that, but certainly we know now what he meant. Jesus was well aware himself of the fact that his body would not be prepared in the way that it was supposed to at his death. The mirroring women desired with great longing to properly anoint the body of Jesus. They, like Joseph and Nicodemus, had no fear. The only concern that they had was who was going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb. But when they arrived, they saw that the stone was removed. So there was nothing to hinder them now from doing their job. What they discovered, however, was something that they could never imagine. And when they entered the tomb, Jesus wasn't there. The place where his body should have been laying was empty. Instead, they saw a young man, an angel, sitting on the right side, and he was clothed in white, and he was brilliant. He was illumined, and they were struck with tremendous fear. And immediately the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he is not here. Now go tell all of the disciples and Peter that he is going to Galilee, which is where you will see him, just as he told you. Just as when Jesus entered the room when the disciples were in hiding, as we read last in last Sunday's Gospel, and said, Peace be with you, to allay their fear, so too the angel of the Lord first calms the fear of the myrrh-bearing women, and then he announces to them the resurrection. The angel spoke specifically about the one they sought, referring to him as Jesus of Nazareth, so as to leave no doubt about who had risen. And then he instructs them to go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why does he name Peter out of all the disciples? The reason is that Peter was suffering from a tremendous amount of guilt from his denial of our Lord. Peter believed he was no better than Judas who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. By denying Christ three times, Peter was completely crushed in every single way. And so the Lord wanted to make sure that Peter knew that he was forgiven. The Lord had risen, granted eternal life, and he wanted Peter to know that he was also going to be a recipient of this precious gift. In other words, go tell the disciples, who at that time were in hiding, that I have risen, that death has been put to death, and to have no more fear. And Peter, I will forgive you as well. Though you denied me, I've seen the tears of your repentance. One church father says that Peter needed to be set back on his feet and to have his dignity as a man and as one of the disciples restored. The Lord in his love for mankind did this, and this is why the angel made special mention of his name. Judas, on the other hand, though it would, thought it would have been better to die, and so he hung himself. 
He took his life because he never believed that he would be able to be forgiven or that any of his dignity could be restored. Peter, though may he have felt though he was dead, and may have believed that it would have been better to have not been born by denying Christ three times, he repented. And this is the difference between life and death, and for all of us. St. Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians said, Indeed, we had felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Peter felt he had received the sentence of death through his denial, but Christ saved him, seeing his repentance, and he wanted Peter to know this, and this is why he mentioned Peter by name. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls each of us by name. He died and rose for each of us as a person, individually. And he assures us that through repentance, we can all have eternal life through him. St. Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any created thing, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, and the myrrh-bearing women had great love and reverence for Christ. They were extremely devout people. They were deeply devoted to Him, and their actions prove this. Though the myrrh-bearing women did not get to accomplish their task of anointing the body of Christ, they received the gift of the good news that Christ has risen. Though the disciples hid in fear, they were given the gift of peace and were strengthened by the Lord's words, Peace be with you. And though Peter had denied Jesus three times, he was given the gift of forgiveness and had his dignity restored both as a man and as one of the disciples. And so it is with all of us. We are offered the gift of eternal life in the risen Lord. We are offered the gift of the peace from above. We are offered the gift of forgiveness. And we are offered the gift of the love of the Father. May our repentance be pleasing to the Lord. May our love and devotion grow deeper each passing day. And may we all embrace the resurrection of Christ, who has conquered death through his own death and offers life to the entire world. Amen.